And now I'm going to turn your attention to John chapter 14. We are getting to dive back into John and believe it or not, we're eyeing the end of John here. We've been in it for a long time and uh, we're jumping back in. And probably we we figured it out so that we're going to even continue on through Lent and through Easter in John. So we'll be done with John sometime after Easter. I know you'll be sad. I know I will be too. But uh, we have some beautiful scripture here to look at this morning from John chapter 14. You can uh, check out the Pew Bible. It will be on the screen wherever you want to follow along. John chapter 14 says this, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, We don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Will you pray with me, Lord Jesus? We pray that uh, the words that we have just read, Lord, I pray that they would uh, fill uh, each and every one of us here today with the truth of who you are, uh, with the blessedness of knowing you, uh, with the implications of what this means, Lord, that you are the way, the truth, and the life, Lord, and that if we know you, that we have all that we would need to be with you and the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit in our life, in our ministry, and the different things that we face, Lord, that we would be with you. And may that change everything. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for what it took to make that possible, and we pray that we would be connected to it now. In your precious and holy name we pray, amen. Okay, so I have sort of a summary statement as I, as the guys at Bibles and Brews Uh, no, because I was just mulling over and over John chapter 14. There's so many good things that I just read to you from this chapter, so many important things that we could talk about. I was just processing, trying to figure out which direction to go, what to talk about, and eventually 
I landed on a, a summary statement here that I want to share with you, and then I'll unpack it as we go. So this is what, what came to mind after some languishing. In a world full of trouble, not even death can separate you from the love of God expressed in Jesus, with, which dwells within you. In a world full of trouble, not even death can separate you from the love of God expressed in Jesus, which dwells within you. And so let me start with talking a little bit about trouble. When I first read this part of the scripture, I thought, well, wouldn't it be nice to preach a nice sermon on how if you're with Jesus, you will never experience trouble, right? But even the text itself, as you look at John, it comes pretty obvious that even Jesus himself experienced trouble. In fact, there's three times in the Gospel of John where this same word for trouble is used. So let me read them to you. John eleven thirty three says, When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. John 12, 27 says, Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. After he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit, John 13, 21. Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, Very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. So that was uh, just moments before the text we just read was Jesus talking about Judas and him being betrayed. See, the disciples have so many things to be troubled by in the story. They really have a lot of things going on, don't they? They've just realized that there's a plot to kill Jesus. They know that Jesus is going away. They don't know how he's going away, so Jesus is actually teaching them the way in which he will leave them and what that will mean. But they're deeply concerned by what's going on in the world just outside their doors. This is them in the upper room in what's called the final discourse that Jesus gave in the Gospel of John, which is from chapter 13 to 17, where he's up in the upper room in this intimate setting with his disciples over a Passover meal, just like the communion we're going to have in a little bit. And he's teaching them what's going to happen next and what it means for them that the world is full of trouble, but they are with him. The world is full of trouble, but they are with him. And what does he say to comfort them? He says, you should believe in me. Just like you believe in God the Father, you should place that same belief in me. And then he's going to reveal to them something so important about this relationship that he has with the Father. That everything that he does, he does because he's united to the Father, he's with the Father. And this unity is the source of his strength. So even though at times he has been troubled, that it is possible through belief in him that the disciples can go through this critical moment, this moment of most extreme challenge, but they don't have to be troubled. And then there's this, this mind-blowing promises at the end of this scripture, right, about what can happen if then the disciples actually do place their belief in Jesus about what becomes possible 
because of who Jesus is and the relationship that the disciples can have with Jesus as they do their ministry work from here. Not the expected place, not the expected people that will receive such a promise that they would do greater works than these to these disciples who Jesus just said that one of them is going to betray him, the rest of them are going to deny him as he goes to the cross. These are the ones you're also telling that you're going to do greater works? How does that make sense? Right, this great contrast of these everyday, ordinary people, fishermen, that have spent this time with Jesus, very highly concerned, asking particular questions, right? Like, Jesus is teaching them, and they're bold enough to say, I don't understand what you're saying. And they're saying, I would like to see the Father to understand what you're saying. But with every question, Jesus gives an incredible answer. These great truths that have blessed humankind in ways we couldn't even fathom, these answers that Jesus is giving in the upper room. And so there's a way by which Jesus doesn't just give an answer, but he says, I give you myself. If you want to deal with the world's troubles, would you receive me? Would you receive me and who I truly am as the way, the truth, and the life, the promised person that has come into the world to deal with all of the world's trouble by experiencing the world's trouble and then making it possible for people to connect to God? This is a radical shift for them in their mindset and understanding. And one of the places we get that is in uh, the Gospel of John, and when he's talking about my father's house has many rooms, and here in chapter 14, what is the father's house? That's a great question. In their mind, when they hear, I'm talking about the father's house, there may be something more than just heaven that they're thinking about. Right? The father's house in that time was the temple, the place where God's glory dwelt, the place where if humanity wanted to know what God's glory was like, it was in a place, a particular place, where they could go, only the select few, right, only the priests, after they made sacrifices, but they knew it was there. The people of God knew it was there. There's implications of this in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, 14. It says this, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And this dwelling can be translated in Greek, eskenosin, means the Word pitched his tabernacle or lived in his tent amongst us. Meaning that the glory of God, the dwelling place of God, is the word of God, who is Jesus Christ. So in the incarnation, as we just celebrated on Christmas, one of the implications is being shared here with the disciples. That the dwelling place, the glory of God, is in Jesus Christ. And why is that true? Because he's in the Father. Jesus is in the Father. 
And so he has the glory of God. And then he explains to the disciples that he's going to leave them, but he's going to prepare a place for them. How does Jesus prepare a place for his disciples? Let me show you a movie clip. I think we have it. That's going to help me illustrate this. You cannot pass! Stand out! I am the serpent of the secret fire, wielder of the flame of honor. The dark fire will not avail you, flame of Udun! So how does that relate to what I'm trying to tell you about? <laughs> well, Lord of the Rings fans know that, uh, you know, Tolkien's great work is really to teach us the truths of the gospel. And I heard a teacher speaking about this text in a way that I had, uh, this movie clip, in a way that I had never thought about it before. And, and the, the thought was that maybe Tolkien was trying to teach that in this moment, what's happening is this great evil, this great terrifying evil can be stopped by the light, right? This great horrifying thing that nobody thought was possible could be stopped. Jesus stands before each and every person in front of all of the sin of all of the world and this is his preparation work by going to the cross, by dying on behalf of each and every one of us. He's saying, you shall not pass to the darkness. Jesus' work of preparing rooms in the Father's house is this work. Saying, there's nothing that can pass. When we're covered by the love and grace of Jesus Christ, through our belief in him, there's nothing that can get to God that is of this world, that we are fully covered. Don't take my word for it. See how the church understood this going forward. What are the greater works that would be done? These disciples, Jesus did come back for them. He died. And then he rose again. He went, found Peter while he's out fishing and given up. And he, he brought him back in, into the fold, gave him grace after grace after grace. And then this group went out. And what happened? Then the Holy Spirit came on Pentecost. And greater works were done through the disciples. 
And then Paul picks this up and he starts teaching about how that dwelling place, the Father's house, that very place where only a few could enter into the Holy of Holies, is now the human heart. Ephesians 3.16 says this, I pray that out of his glorious riches, this is Paul preaching for, uh, Paul praying for the church, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. 2 Corinthians uh, verse 6 says this, For God, who commanded the light to shine out of the darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So no matter what we're dealing with, no matter what trouble is out there that is shaking us, that has maybe made its way in here, the promise is that when we move to a place of belief and we just forget everything and focus on Jesus, that then we begin to understand the glory of God and that glory of God makes its dwelling place inside of us. Let me pray as we prepare for communion so that we might receive this great promise that was given to the disciples as we continue in their line. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the way that has made a way where there was no way, where there was no possible way, Lord, no hope in sight, all, nothing but trouble before them, Lord, nothing but trouble before us, Lord Jesus, that you made a way for us by your grace. We receive you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we thank you for the relationship that you've given us that makes it possible to be one with you and one Therefore, with the Holy Spirit, with God the Father, as we come to be a community here, may we emulate all of the love and good that is shared between them. May it be present in this place to mark us and form us as your disciples. In your precious and holy name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen.